Anyone here have an Instant Pot? Anybody? Anyone at home, Instant Pot? Anybody? Okay, Kylie does. Gail does. We have an Instant Pot as well at home. We got one for Christmas one year, and uh, if you don't know what it is, you probably do because it's like already, apparently it's Christmas season, I guess, according to Allison and according to TV commercials. It is Christmas season, and Instant Pots are a hot holiday item. Well, anyway, it's a pressure cooker. You put your food in, your seasonings, all of this, you hit the little setting, and you turn this tiny little nozzle that seems really flimsy. It's really flimsy. You just give it a little nudge. And then all of a sudden, what happens inside is the temperature rises, the pressure builds, it brings up the boiling point so things cook quicker. There's all this pressure inside. And it builds and it builds and it builds. You can hear it as it builds too. You can kind of sense where it's going to go. Now here's the thing about the Instant Pot. It's great. It's fun until it's not. It gets scary when it is time to release that pressure. Because all that pressure has got to go somewhere. You can do what's called a natural uh, pressure release, which is you turn off the heater of the Instant Pot, and it takes like four days for all the pressure to seep out, seemingly. It's like probably 20 minutes. It feels like four days when you're trying to cook a meal quickly, right? Or you can do what most of us do with an Instant Pot. You can hit that tiny little flimsy valve that seems like there's nothing to it, you flip it, and oh my goodness, Old Faithful, there it goes. Steam out of nowhere. It's like a rocket ship. It's terrifying. My kids see it every time they go, oh. <laughs> it's scary because all that pressure has to release, right? And so it comes out. As soon as there's an opportunity for it to be released, it shoots out like Old Faithful. Now this week, it felt like that pressure valve and our nation was finally hit. All this pressure has been building and building and building for months, honestly, for years. And there became a focal point for that pressure to escape. Now here's the thing with the quick release valve. It still takes about five minutes at least for all that pressure to come out. And it's intense and it's heavy. That's kind of what this week felt like, at least to me. All the anxiety that our country has been feeling, all the unknown, the stress, the weariness from everything we've had to navigate, and you throw an election into it. After the stress of this past week, I think, honestly, what America really needs right now is free counseling for all Americans. I am Kevin. I support this message. <laughs> we need free counseling for every one of us, because my goodness, that valve I felt like released, but we also know it's not yet done, right? There is anxiety in our country. There is anxiety and stress and worry and concern, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, for all of us to feel right now. So I want us to do a quick anxiety audit. We are going to check in on our anxiety. I want you to consider right now, scale of 1 to 100, how anxious are you? You don't have to tell me unless you want to. But I would like you to write it down if you have your notebook. How anxious are you from 1 to 100? Consider back this week, when was your most anxious moment? What would you rate yourself on that, 1 to 100, at your most anxious moment this past week? And what were the circumstances surrounding that cause of anxiety? Flip side of that as well, consider this past week, your lowest moment of anxiety, 1 to 100, what was that? Rate it, and why did you feel less anxious in that moment? 
See, I think anxiety is one of those things we all wrestle with. It's part of the human experience. It's also one of those things I think a lot of us, if you're like me, have a hard time knowing how to navigate. And what I'm learning about myself is a lot of times other people around me know better if I'm anxious than I know. Sometimes I'm anxious and I am asleep to it. I'm unaware of it in myself until someone calls out, you're kind of acting funny in a way, right? And so I want us to do this check-in because today we're going to work on lowering that number wherever it is. Wherever your number is today on anxiety, we want to lower that because we're going to rest in a biblical truth that most of us have known since we were born, and yet not one of us has perfected it. The context of this passage comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, an amazing message, the greatest message ever told. And all, the Sermon on the Mount is all about what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And Jesus lays this all out for us. That's our focus this morning, is living with a kingdom-minded perspective. So why don't we turn together, Matthew 6 is where we're going to rest today, Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. I'd love for you to turn with me, it'll be on the screen as well, whether you're here or at home. Let's go now to the word of the Lord. This is Jesus talking. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? In other words, can you do anything with your worries? Can you build anything? Can you do anything of worth with your worries? Can you add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, and just thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries today's trouble is enough for today thank god for the reading of his word what does this passage show us well it shows us that god cares deeply deeply for his creation, for you and for me. God will take care of you and all your needs. That worry and anxiety, it's our check engine light telling us it is time to pray. When we stress and worry and we do not take it to God in prayer, it's a sign of a lack of faith and that God already knows all our needs. Because he is God, he knows all, he knows all the problems, all the longings, and all the solutions. And so, Jesus tells us 
Since worrying accomplishes nothing, instead of worrying about things we cannot control, instead of worrying about things that are in God's hands alone, what should we do? Seek his kingdom above all else. Live righteously to put God first in our lives. Seek first his kingdom. For a while when I would read this, I would read it as if God is commanding me not to worry, just like he commands us not to kill, right? As you parse it out, it's a little different. It's not so much a command that you must do because surely we would all fail. It's not a sin, really, to worry necessarily. However, it's more of a directive. It's a kingdom-minded principle he longs for us to live into because that is what he desires for us in his kingdom way. You see, Jesus knows that in this world we will have trouble. He says that. He doesn't shy away from that. He even says, disciples, take up your cross and follow me. It's going to be hard. You will lose your life. But in me, you'll find it. But he also gives us a remedy and a pathway out of that trouble, a guarantee to rescue us from our pain, our hurt, our worry, our anxiety, because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. We may have trouble. We will worry in this life, but at the end of the day, God is in control. He is on his throne. He is right here, right now, with each and every one of us, caring for us, loving us, encouraging us, comforting us, guiding us, all by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so, while we have trouble in this world, God gives us this helpful reorientation process to seek first his kingdom. I'm a bit of a word nerd because I was an English major. I can't help myself. So we're looking at each of these words to see really what is this getting at. To seek is to actively pursue. Seeking is, it's not passive. You don't just sit by and hope for it. You don't wait for it to come to you. You seek it like you are Frodo with the one ring and you got to get it to Mount Doom to save Middle Earth. Okay? Did I lose you? Lord of the Rings, did I lose you? I got some of you. I was, one of you at least perked up and said, yeah, Lord of the Rings. You seek after it as if it is the most important quest in the world to seek God's kingdom. And we do it first, not last, not after everything else, not after we get our affairs in order. We do it first. We give God our first fruits of our time, of our energy, of our thought, our activity, our finances. We seek the kingdom. When we do that first, it sets our mind on things that are above, and it gives us perspective to navigate the rest of what the world may throw at us. And it is his kingdom. This is no earthly kingdom we're talking about. No earthly kingdom will last forever. But God's kingdom, it's not built on half-truths and shady dealings and imperfect people. It's built on an everlasting kingdom that belongs and exists in God and his promises and on his love. His kingdom is bigger than us. It is bigger than a city. It is bigger than a state. It is bigger than a country. God's kingdom is even bigger than this world. It will reign forever and ever. 
You know, I find it ironic. I was sharing with the worship team this morning. The very first time I preached here as a staff member was the Sunday after the last election. I got up and I said something along the lines like, boy, sure is fun being asked to preach your first time with the most highly contested election ever, right? And all the bickering and all this stuff on each side. Little did I know, four years later, here we are. Oh, guess what? The most highly contested election ever. Some people don't believe it over is over. Some believe there's other things. And others are celebrating and rejoicing. Others are mourning and think all is lost. I don't know your political convictions. I'm not here to share my political convictions. I am here to, here to share the conviction I believe we have become too politicized. And I think we have done a disservice to our fellow man when we have put the kingdom of man above the kingdom of God. The election revealed what we already know. We spend more time and energy generally worrying about the kingdom of man than on the kingdom of God. We're all guilty, me included. Each and every one of us is guilty of this. We spend so much energy so much energy worrying about things that are out of our control. Do they matter? Yes, they matter. But they're not of the most importance. Do they matter? Yes, they matter. But they're out of our control. There are things we can do, yes, and we need to be responsible and do those. But can we control it? Absolutely not. We spend so much time on things of this earth that distracts us from what really matters, that distracts us from our first calling. So I suggest this morning that it's time for the great reversal, to shift our perspective, to be focused on the king and his kingdom. We have a king. He is good. He is love incarnate. He reigns forever. And you see, what we focus on is what becomes much more clear in our lives. I invite you all at home to hold out your finger and stare at it. And hold it out where you can still kind of see me in the background, but focus on your finger. And you'll notice I'm kind of blurry, right? Now I want you to focus on me. Keep your finger there, but focus on me. What you focus on becomes more clear. It comes into focus. Everything else blurs out. It's like a digital camera when you like try and focus on the right thing, but you keep focusing on like the cat in front of you, right? <laughs> Cat's always in the way. I also love Don Taylor's cat sent a message in the live chat this morning. Dash one 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 star slash. Thank you, Don's cat. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> what we focus on becomes more clear. Okay. We've talked about how sin blurs and distorts everything. And we've also talked about our desire, remember, to have kingdom eyes, to see things the way God sees them, to have a heart that's in line with God's heart. To ask that question, what would Jesus do if he were in our shoes right here, right now? See, having kingdom eyes, it gives us a remedy for navigating the muck of this world. 
and his word gives us a guide. Paul writes this in Colossians. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. We are not of this world. Our citizenship is of the kingdom. We set our eyes on things that are above. We set our eyes not on the earthly kingdom, but the kingdom of God. Put another way, your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth right here as it is in heaven. What world do you want to live in? To live in it, you have to live for it. And kingdom life is available right here, right now, for each and every one of us. We simply have to adjust our focus to notice, to blur out all the distractions, and allow God's kingdom to come into clear focus. If we as Christians believe that we are called to live this way, then we have to ask ourselves kind of a tough question. What is our highest allegiance? Who is the number one in our life? What is the number one in our life? I've heard, I've even said a few times throughout this turbulent election year that Jesus is on the throne, that God is in control no matter the outcome, no matter the way. We can trust that, that the king is still the king and all will be well. And that is absolutely true. Whether today you are rejoicing and celebrating or you're worried sick, We can believe that and proclaim that. We say it, though, and I think we do believe it in our best moments, but if we're honest, a lot of times we can acknowledge that Jesus is the king on his throne in heaven, and we keep pushing him off the throne of our lives. So in a highly, highly, overly politicized world, a world drowning in sin, We are all guilty of this on one level or another. To put Jesus on the throne of our lives is to daily, daily seek God above all else. It's to trust ourselves and submit submit to his will and his path for us. It's living with a heart for the king and pushing our energy toward the kingdom expanding. See, God as king, he calls us his sons and daughters, and he sends us as his ambassadors into the earthly kingdom to allow the heavenly kingdom to break through. We live in the here and now where the kingdom has broken through, but it's not fully realized yet. So we say and we profess and we believe Jesus Christ is king of kings, but our worries, our thoughts, our actions, our words, the things we share and post online does not always reveal that God is our highest allegiance, that he is our driving force, that he is what matters most, and that we are his representatives in this world. Now we do know that Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is to God's. 
But present within that is the truth that God is king over everything. So if it falls under God's reign, everything does, including Caesar, including government, including all of that, including our country, including everything we are worried or joyful about today. It falls underneath God's reign. And because God is the highest authority, he longs to be our highest allegiance. So whatever you are feeling today in the wake of this week, if you're worried, if you're hopeful, if you're filled with doubt, or you are joy-filled, if you are fearful, or you are encouraged and inspired, we can give it all to him. We can trust that he is in control because he is the highest authority. He is the highest allegiance. And when we trust him and we name him king, we better be prepared to receive our marching orders because he will put us to work to see his kingdom realized here on earth. There's nothing passive about the kingdom of God. How we choose to live can change the world more than who we choose in an election. Your vote matters. How you live your life matters more. Knowing Jesus is on the throne does not mean that we can sit back and let him do all the work. That was not God's design for us. It is to take up our marching orders and do all we can to see the kingdom vision become reality, to trust that the Spirit is working in and through us to bring that kingdom here that is and that always has been the role of a disciple on this side of eternity. And one more thing. Our king, God's kingdom, has an enemy. And his weapons are lies, deceit, sowing distrust, dishonesty, disharmony, anger, apathy. Okay? We do not have to look far in our world at all to see those things present, do we? And if we're feeling especially brave and honest, each and every one of us only has to look as far as our own heart to see the seeds of those things present. See seeds of the weapons of the enemy within us. And so we profess that and we, we confess that to God, trusting he forgives us and still works in and through us all the same because he's so good. And you know what? the opportunity to give in to that way of life is present. To give into that is easy. It is right there for the taking. It's all around us. Tie that with the fact we're in month nine of a global pandemic with no clear sign of that ending anytime soon. Tie that in with the idea that uh, an election might be over, but our nation, our world is as divided as it's ever been. It's a mess out there. So are we going to give in? Are we willing to open ourselves up to the Spirit's leading and step forward to be about the kingdom business that has an eternal impact? Will we instead of giving in to the seeds of the enemy, 
to rise above those weapons, to rise above pettiness, to rise above selfishness, to rise above complaining, to rise above fear, to rise above worry, to rise above division, and seek the things that make for unity, purity, and peace. Will we commit once again, as we've done many times in our lives, to live like Jesus Christ. The enemy wants nothing more than to focus our energy and our passion for all that to go towards earthly things. But if we refocus on seeking the kingdom and we put our hope in the king and our energy toward the kingdom, then a divided world, in a divided world, we may be united in spirit. King Jesus is on his throne. Now and forever, he is in control. But is he on the throne of your life? Because when he is, when we humble ourselves and let him take control once again, our vision becomes more clear, our purpose more focused, our worries diminish as he rescues us from the cares of the world. And his kingdom breaks through, first in our hearts and then through us as we seek to be his hands and feet, as we seek to love God and love neighbor, as we seek to be his salt and light in a hurting and broken world. See, the Bible tells us if we seek God above all else, we seek to live like him and for him day by day. We put him first in our lives. We fill our thoughts with his desires. Then through us, his kingdom will spread. God is in control, but we have a part to play. So our assignment this week, it's the very same as it was last week. And it's honestly the same it has always been as a follower of Christ since he gave us the Great Commission. To seek God daily and wake up each and every day by saying, Today, I will seek God. Today, despite whatever is going on in the world, I will still seek God. And then we name it specifically, how will we seek God today? Today, I will seek God by and as we do that, what really matters comes into focus. And what are the distractions in our lives that tend to take our energy away? Those distractions start to fade and blur a bit. Our worries themselves start to lessen as we daily seek God to take them from us. Our purpose as an ambassador for the King of Kings starts to come into clear focus. So may we all, as sons and daughters of the one true king, go to work to be about the king's business. Yeah, there's division. Yeah, there are strong opinions. I know there are the whole spectrum of opinions present in this room right now on what's going on in our world. And yet, we are to be about the God's and the kingdom's business. So we will do that together as God's people to focus on his kingdom of love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and justice, and do all we can to spread that throughout the world. Today and every day, let us seek God, and let us seek to be like Jesus Christ. Amen.
Will you please pray with me? Almighty God, we are deeply grateful for your nonstop love and compassion for your creation. We are deeply grateful that you give us a roadmap and a helpful tool to seek you, not just once, but daily, Lord, and to not seek you last, but to seek you first, to give you our first fruits. Heavenly Father, as we think about our own role as your ambassadors today, we do so knowing that you equip us and empower us through your spirit. You guide us and comfort us and encourage us forward day in, day out. Lord, give us eyes and ears to see you present in our lives. And Lord, we do so knowing no matter what the world throws, no matter how we feel, you are on your throne. You've given us a purpose, you've given us a task, and yet we have an everlasting hope that is found in you. If you can conquer death, you can do anything. So we rest all our emotions in your presence today. Because you are safe. We can trust you with how we feel. We can trust you with what we think. And you always return to us in your love and mercy. So we give you thanks, Lord. Send us out from here today to be your hands and feet, to be the love and the light this world needs. Shine through us brightly, Lord, as we seek to faithfully follow after you. We do love you, God. We pray that you continue to do a work in us. Pray this all in your precious son's name. Amen.